0: Hello, welcome to the show. This is Rise Rocket Radio, episode 29, being recorded on Sunday, the 16th of February, 2014, at 15.03. If you heard that horrible click, that explosive click that sounded more like a hand grenade... That's my (laughs) homemade safari ballpoint pen that, that... clicking drives me mad. I'm one of those people that needs to, you know, needs to do something with their hands. So I'm forever clicking something. I need a pen that doesn't make so much noise. I mean, listen to that. Insane. Okay. And, uh, on with the show, I suppose. So, some news first. Uh, well, what weird weather we've been having in the UK at the moment. Uh, which I've uh, ascribed to a number of different causes um, (laughs) ranging from the wrath of the gods um, uh, to um, that great big uh, weather machine that apparently got out there at Roswell and was uh, built with the help of aliens. Um, Okay, those aren't actually true. Perhaps it's something to do with global warming, maybe. Um, or Cthulhu uh, anyway we'll leave the weather behind for there for a moment um, before this goes all David Icke but um, uh, yeah so the weather has been pretty intense uh, the, the wind's been howling um, over my home for the last few days um, <laughs> bits of trees have got ripped off and the rain's been hammering down and um, But apparently I've got off quite lightly. um, And a lot of the rest of the country has suffered from flooding um, and a lot more problems than I have. So uh, I just hope everyone's coping out there. Um, Next. So, surveillance. Uh, Well, this has got everyone, including myself, um, in a bit of a twist. Uh, And while I did my bit posting up a banner on the blog and website... I did feel as if the protests, uh, especially in the UK, were rather low-key, uh, one could almost say apathetic. Also it's been reported um, by a number of news sources that the uh, the big internet companies have been rather lax in combating this latest uh, threat. Um, But uh, I did a bit of Googling and I read on a Russian news site, no less, um, a blog that Google, Microsoft and Facebook have uh, got their own lobbyists in Washington um, to to focus on things like government surveillance. Um, And a quote taken from the blog article Uh, says this, Google, Microsoft, and Facebook, and, quote, uh, they want to focus on government surveillance reform in an effort to maintain credibility following NSA spying disclosures that often implicated them as accomplices, unquote. Now, now, whether this is a case of CYOA, or they are actually trying not to be evil, well, your guess is as good as mine, who knows, really. Um, If you want to read that article, uh, it's a slightly long link, so I'll put it in the show notes, uh, which you can download from the usual places. Um, Okay. So next, uh, I just wanted to mention that we've got a few vanilla films mixed in with the usual genre material this week, um, as occasionally happens when I get to see a few um, non-genre films. Uh, All I can say about this is infinite diversity in infinite combinations, and I'll try and keep the uh, non-genre bits of the show down to a minimum. So first off... um, Dallas Buyers Club, 2013. Uh, Matthew McConaughey stars as one of the few um, early diagnosed heterosexuals with um, HIV. Um, he plays a, a character called uh, based on, on a real-life person called Ron Woodruff, um, who is an extremely... um well sexually active but but the extremely and highly highly unpleasant homophobic cowboy uh, which is something of <laughs> probably an unfair stereotype but but this guy is really quite horrible um, and uh for for this reason, I think it makes a rather good film because you can see um Woodruff's um, resourcefulness um, and determination to survive in the midst of um, an utterly useless medical system, uh, and uh, which is portrayed by um, a composite character who represents that medical system, uh, Jennifer Garner. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a great film. Um, not the kind of thing I usually watch, because, uh, as you know, <laughs> I tend to avoid um, emotionally wrought movies. Um, so I think it's worth a watch, uh, particularly for the standout performances by Matthew McConaughey. And uh, also Jared Leto who does a brilliant job. Um, yeah, really interesting film. Uh, second... Um so we'll, we'll go to a genre movie that hasn't been made. So this is Isaac Asimov's Foundation movie. Now every now and then I'll spout off about Development hell and bemoan some flick that for one reason or the other hasn't been made. Last week we mentioned Warcraft uh, but that is now slated for, for uh, release in 2016. Um, but but how about one of the most uh, epic space operas of all time? Uh, something that really breaks the mould of space opera proper and launches itself into what is arguably its very own niche. Uh, what I call, rather clumsily, cerebral grand space opera. Um, a terribly brief summary would be that the story is about... Uh, A scientist predicting the uh, collapse of the high-tech galactic empire seeks to preserve knowledge by building the foundation, uh, which is a sort of galactic library of um, humankind's knowledge. By by describing it in in that way, though, you can already see what the problems might be. I mean, try making a cerebral film in the first place. It's not that easy um, without it kind of going into art cinema um, or, or quite niche cinema. I'm, I'm thinking of films, cerebral sci-fi films like uh, Pi for instance. Um, but uh, it, the problem's sort of uh, exacerbated when you try and meld something that's small and niche to to, to a huge galaxy-spanning theme like space opera. Um, but anyway, I, I did a little stroll down into Net Boulevard and I found that Michael Transformers Bay actually has the film rights. <laughs> for this, um, now of course, Transformers is an appalling movie, um, but 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 later on, uh, I mean, this year he's got Black Souls, which actually looks quite good, but but both those properties, they're quite, um, they're not that. You don't have to be. Um, I don't say this in a polite way. <laughs> They're not that clever films, they're not that engaging. Um, even, if they, even if Transformers was to be done well, um, you could watch it with half a brain. Um, and that's no bad thing. Um, and Black Sails, again, it's it's hardly um, a cerebral uh, TV show. But something like this, that it would be really hard to do for, for any director, let alone Michael Bay, um, and, and it did kind of set my alarm bells ringing, but as, as of date, uh, nothing's come of this. And I think Michael Bay himself has realised he is bitten off a bit more than he can chew. Um, but I think, that, uh, given the sheer scale of such a vast and epic story, this is the one time when I think that maybe uh, the thing should remain unmade because I'm pretty sure that there is not one single filmmaker out there capable of doing this film justice. Um, I mean, the only person I think could maybe have done it and is now dead is maybe someone like David Lean. Uh, which is funny that I mentioned uh, David Lean, because uh, the, ne- the next um, movie up... Is Yudorowsky's Dune uh, 2013. Um, but before I w- go into that, I, I was just thinking if uh, he could have. David Lean, judging by Lawrence of Arabia, might have been the ideal person to have um, directed a film like Dune. Um, well, who knows, but anyway. So. <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Next, Jodorowsky's. Oh, sorry, Jodorowsky's, uh Dune, two thousand and thirteen. Uh, right. So before David Lynch's embarrassing stab at Dune, um, Chilean multimedia god Alejandro Jodorowsky wanted to make this movie at least ten years before. Uh, now I know Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky through comic books like the Incal. I-N-C-A-L, um, which he created uh, along with uh, Jean Giraud, also known as Mobius. Uh, he, he did the writing, he was the writer. Uh, Jean Giraud did the um, artwork. Uh, the Cal and similar works, but first seen in um, heavy metal. Now, but bearing in mind that Hallmark have made almost the definitive Dune um, that easily destroys uh, Lynch's flabby version. Um, But even bearing that in mind, if you know what I'm talking about as relates to Jodorowsky's writing and Mobius's art, um, can you possibly imagine how weird and alien the Jodorowsky vision of Dune might have been. Um, And uh, in fact there is a documentary film out there that talks about all this sort of stuff called uh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Now the film's already made the uh, festival circuit, and there was a limited release last year. I believe it was shown at the British Film Institute. Um, you know, I, I didn't see it. Uh, but the, the thing is, I've, I've no idea um, when, if ever, this thing will be out on general release, um, oh. let alone any DVD. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to play you an audio trailer. So here goes. Fantastic. 3,000 droids, I shoot the picture, point of view, movement of the camera, dialogue, designing the spaceships, the clothes, the whole look of his world. The castle. open the mouth, uh, the spaceship came in the tongue. Uh. His vision was so huge, so beyond what anybody else was doing at that time, things that George Lucas wasn't even going to try. The Star Wars, It's enormous of Hullo's genius was finding the right people. David Carradine, Mick Jagger, Dali as the mad emperor of the galaxy. Dali said, can I have a burning giraffe? All right, all right we'll have a burning giraffe. Uh, or somewhere. Else. Yeah, I said, I don't want to do it. I said, if you do the picture, I will hire the chef of the restaurant and you will eat us here every day. And I said, I do it. Giger nunca había hecho películas. I said to Giger, I need you as you are. Alejandro completely motivated you. It was wonderful. We will change the world. People did not do this film because they were afraid of his imagination This is a movie that has its fingerprints all over so many other movies William Gibson, Matrix Giger, he made the monster of failure and Hollywood started to use my group It always leads back to Yudorovsky Could be fantastic, no? So sorry about the uh, stuttering in there Um not sure why that happened um, ok, so if you didn't catch all of that um, Janorowski actually cast casted um, Salvador Dali has um, the Emperor Shaddam um, and also Orson Welles <laughs> and Mick Jagger um, it just blows your mind really he, uh, he also said early on um i think it was <laughs> that uh, in the uh, trailer that he wanted to make um like a film version of an lsb trip you know without the lsb it would have been quite amazing i think um if if you want to catch that uh, trailer again um, because it didn't come out quite right in the podcast. Again, I've put a link in the show notes. Um, he also says later on that um, the the group that he put together of artists and oh, writers, um, effects guys, uh, Although it was never used in the film that he wanted to make, the group that he put together started getting quite a lot of work from Hollywood. Um, So, so The the talent there wasn't wasted, it was used in a lot of other movies. Um, Personally, I really do want to see this film, so I hope it does come out on general release again. So, uh, one final shout-out to filmmaker Frank Pavich. Please hurry up and release this thing again, or at least release the DVD. So, next, uh, Fifth Estate, 2013. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Julian Assange. Um, and Daniel Bruhl plays... Um, his partner at WikiLeaks, Daniel Domscheit-Berg. Um, so this is a very topical movie, um, but it is extremely <laughs> unflattering of Assange and a bit over-dramatised in places. Um, also, there's um, it talks about the relationship between um, Assange and especially the uh, The Guardian, um, and the Guardian offices in this movie look really, really cool. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not, but the other thing was they looked really empty. Um, I don't know whether the Guardians just fired everyone, but but it looked surprisingly empty for a newspaper office and, and so very clean. Um, and Also, the... The journalist uh, from The Guardian seemed more like cardboard cutouts. um the, the dialogue especially, um, and uh, David Thewlis's character. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but it's really not a keeper, it's, you, you know, watch once and then chuck. Um, there'll probably be more films about the whole uh, Security, copyright, um, Assange, uh, Manning, Snowden thing. I mean, this seems to be one of the few films out there at the moment. I know know there's a documentary that's a lot better um, about WikiLeaks, so if you can catch that out there somewhere, um, give that a go. I can't remember what it is offhand. Uh, Next, we have Rush 2013. So this is a riveting, glossy, glamorous but substantial Ron Ron Howard movie about the rivalry between Nicky Lauder and James Hunt in the 1976 Grand Prix circuit. It stars Chris Hemsworth um, as James Hunt who does a pretty fine job Um, Now and then, the the dialect, uh, his uh, James Hunt posh dialect, seems to slip a bit, but otherwise, pretty good. Um, Daniel... What's his name? Uh, Yeah, Daniel Brawl, who plays Nicky Louder. Does an absolutely exceptional job. Um, and he he was also in that Fifth Estate film that I mentioned earlier, where he also did a brilliant job. So I think his stars definitely in Ascendant. Um, actually, thinking about that, he, he's been in other films too. Uh, I, I did a little internet search and I found that he was that horrible. Nazi sniper in Inglorious Bastards, too. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Uh, the cars, the excitement, um, some comment has been made that there's a little too much commentary uh, through the movie, which kind of detracts from the realism. It's like they're telling you uh, through the medium of uh, race commentators uh, how Grand Prix works. And, actually, that, that does appear to be the case, but it, but it is only a minor aspe- negative aspect of the film, very minor at that. Um, I, I do highly recommend it. I, I was glued to the entire movie. Um, the other thing I wanted to add is it, many movies, uh, that they'll, they'll pick... Especially when they're based on real life, they'll pick movie stars who look better than the original um, the, than the people they portray. Um, now, this it is and isn't the case for Rush. And if you want to see who the uh, like the real pictures of. Uh, James Hunt, Nikki Lauder, the wives and girlfriends and so on, at the time, um, uh, mid-70s, and have them compared directly with the actors playing them, you know, in costume, Uh, there is an article over at uh, HistoryHollywood.com. Again, I've put the uh, link in the show notes, so go over there and have a look. So that was Rush 2013. Okay, on to TV. Now, according to Film 4, and i mentioned this uh, several times, it is sci-fi season. Um, but as far as I can see, the, the films are dotted all over the place, so I can't really recommend what to watch in the future. But I have already catched a couple um, that weren't that bad. I mean, the uh, that were actually pretty good. Sorry, not <laughs> Uh, not flattering enough um the first was the adjustment bureau two thousand and eleven, which I think is uh, you know a, a lot less terrible than people have said um, especially given the source material, which is kind of weird and w- uh, slightly of a mystical bent um the story is based on Adjustment Team by Philip K. Dick uh, when he was getting into a, a stage where he was drifting away from hard, well, sci-fi proper and more into the spiritual, mystical realms of weirdness, um, so it's not surprising that the movie turned out like that and for, from for what it is, it's not a bad watch. Uh, Yeah, so that's the Adjustment Bureau 2011. Uh, Next, I did see Cipher 2002, which I think is excellent and vastly, vastly underrated. Um, It's basically about corporate espionage, um, and it stars Jeremy Northam as an unemployed accountant, I believe, who uh, ends up being a a double and then triple agent and then quadruple agent, very very convoluted uh, scenario um, in in the near future. Um, It also stars Lucy Liu. Um, Actually, another point about this movie, the the very first time I saw this uh, was in um, this cult Tyneside, I think it was called the Tyneside Cinema in Newcastle. It was uh, such a long time ago, I can barely remember. But I do remember that there was a small bar there, so perhaps that was the name of the cinema. Um, yeah. So, uh, so try and catch um, some of the more f- some of the other films that are showing on film four. During this uh, sci-fi season, um, i can never get too many sci-fi films. Right, uh, nothing to chat about audio really this week. Um, I'm listening to quite a few podcasts, but nothing that I haven't already mentioned. Um, books. Uh, I'm going to recommend two sets of books this week, the first new-ish and the second brand spanking new. Uh, First of all, um, there's a trilogy of books from David Mood the uh, Hater 2010, Dog's Blood 2010 and Them or Us 2011. Uh, it, it is a very, very original and clever riff on the whole zombie thing. Um, a genre that I thought was tied and completely played out, but apparently not. Um, and what's interesting about these books is that Gu- Guillermo del Toro has optioned Hater, and there is a film in the works. So, wow. Um... I I flicked through the last book um, at one of the bookstores, I think Waterstones, um, Them or Us, 2011, and what's different is, well, in that book anyway, you get uh, a point of view of the, um, not really a zombie, but the creature, shall we say that, or one of the creatures, but yeah, you, if you're into, um, if you're not into zombie horror, this might be the series of books for you. So that's the Hater series by David Moody. Next on the list, uh, well, <laughs> actually the final book on the list I'm going to recommend this week is The Martian 2014 by Andy Weir. That's Andy and then we're W-E-I-R. <coughs> so this is a very cool, hard science fiction novel about a guy stranded on Mars. Um, I photographed a copy of the, well, the the book cover, and you can see that on Twitter again, as I'm saying all the time this week. Just go to um, the show notes and there's a link there. Um, to give you an idea about what the book is about, I've taken a small excerpt from the back cover, and I'm going to read it out to you now. So, here goes... It started with a dust storm that hauled his suit and nearly killed him and that forced his crew to leave him, him behind. Sure, he was already dead. Now he's stranded millions of miles from the nearest human being with no way to even signal Earth that he's alive. And even if he could get word out, his food would be gone years before a rescue mission would arrive. Chances are, though, you won't have time to starve to death. So, it's kind of a Robinson Crusoe on Mars, with, with all the added, uh, numerous hazards and things that will kill you. Um, I, I tweeted this at the, the Mars um, One Project because I think their idea is is to send people to Mars and do a whole kind of reality TV thing with them, which kind of resembles what the book's about, but um, uh, uh, the difference is by accident and only with one man. Um, so that's The Martian 2014 by Andy Weir. I'm going to probably have a look at this in a few months' time when the paperback comes out and I'm a bit less busy. So, um, and on to technology. Um, Now, I was passing a a phone shop yesterday, and on a whim I decided to go in and have a look. Um, And I saw this new phone, the Sony Xperia Z Ultra. Um, now, more than a year ago, I uh, I wrote an article where I poked fun at um, the, the Samsung S3 and um, almost choked with hysteria when I, I first saw the uh, Samsung Note. Um, you can read the article, just get the show notes, there's a link to the article there. Um, but anyway... Um, and now, now smartphones have become absolutely ginormous. Um, I, you know, we we all thought that the phablet thing was just a fad, but apparently not. Um, and just prepare, be prepared to be feeling really, really inadequate by having a, a, a small phone. <laughs> I mean, I, my iPhone 4S is not that small, and it, it's as big as I'd want to go. I, I wouldn't want to go to the iPhone 5 and they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, now this uh, Sony Xperia Z4, Z Ultra as it's uh, clumsily called is 6.4 inches. The screen is 6.4 inches. It is absolutely massive. Now I've got big hand, a big hand and I'd be struggling to hold this. Um, I mean, the pros are that it's got a very nice screen and everything, and it is quite thin and light. Um, but it is never, ever, ever going to fit in your pocket. There, there, there's just no way. I, everyone really will be consigned to carrying either a handbag, if you're a, girl, uh, a woman, or a man bag, or mirth if you're a man. Um, as I say, you know, personally, I, I've, just stop caring about phones. Um, I'm sticking with my iPhone 4S until it melts. Um, I can see no good reason of carrying something bigger. It's just going to be more of an inconvenience and an expense too. What I would say though is maybe if they could miss out phablets altogether and just go to 12-inch Tablet that might be something I'd consider if they built in a phone function. That wouldn't be too bad. That would be a reason for carrying around um, your back. Uh, because you could always make calls using your um, headset. Uh, but, but as for having something that's just a giant phone, it's like going back to the 80s and those, uh, those enormous uh, first mobile phones. Although those were as heavy as a breeze block and these weigh almost nothing, um, in terms of size, you know, I, th- I think they're kind of <laughs> comparable um, and ridiculous looking. If you stick one up to your ear, you just look like a complete idiot. Um, though saying that, I do have a friend who who's... also has quite large hands, but unlike me, I, I'm about five foot I don't know, just under 5'8", um, He's about, phew, I don't know, about six foot five, um, and, and, and broad as well. And he's got one of those Samsung notes. When he uses it, it looks just about passable. You know, you could kind of get away with it. Um, but for anyone of a more average size, it just looks so silly. Uh, you look like a hobbit. Um, so, next thing. Um, yeah, I've had a... As, as you may have noticed from the last uh, podcast, and, and I've got to apologise for this, um, I had a really bad cold, and and, and actually I still do, um, which is why you can hear that kind of rustling. I've got a big tissue box next to me. But what, what happened was, on the last podcast, I thought um, I'd blow my nose discreetly, um, I hastened to add into um, a, a nice big Kleenex, uh, not my sleeve um, and I thought it wouldn't be noticeable on the podcast, uh, but when I was playing it back to myself after i'd already uploaded it sounds like a foghorn, and uh, you know I just apologize profusely for that uh, but I do have have a cold and I still do and I can't believe it, I'm going to blow my nose again, so sorry about this. <laughs> Hope that wasn't as foghorn-like as last time. Um, but yeah, as I do have a cold, or rather I'm recovering from a cold, um, while I had the cold, I was dosing myself up with uh, the usual uh, paracetamol and aspirin and vitamin C. I, I had a look at... Um, on Google, uh, I, I wanted to read a bit about colds, uh, a few, f- just clear up a few uh, misconceptions that I personally had, and I did find uh, rather usefully um, a website, and it's um, like the web component of Cardiff's Common Cold Centre, um, which is. A, a, as the title suggests, it's a centre where they um, study the uh, common cold and um, flu at Cardiff University, and the, the website is quite useful. It it has uh, just enough information so that you're not overloaded, and it clears up a few uh, misconceptions. Um, so. The, the few that I uh, noted down here was colds aren't quite as contagious as you think. Um, you need to get the uh, the virus in into your nose, basically. Um, although saying now that I've said that, the two ways that I contracted the last colds um, over the last few months were quite horrible, um, and and con- and happened in exactly the same way and um, I, I want to do a bit of finger waving here because I, I think hygiene has taken, uh, uh, well, has been thrown aside basically. Um, on two separate occasions now. People have coughed directly into my mouth as I pa- passed them. Now, this is a great way to uh, contract a cold. I mean, um, I, the, the first time it happened on the tube, it was highly unpleasant. I thought, there's no way that could possibly happen again. And the other day, I'm walking around Tesco's, uh, stupidly on a Saturday. Uh, I tend to shop at night on a weekday, when there aren't that many people around, um, because I don't have the patience of waiting in a queue, but this time I was forced to go on a Saturday, and someone did exactly the same thing. They coughed directly into my mouth. I mean, how horrible is that? And, um... So while colds, may, colds and flu may not be as contagious as you think, if someone walks straight up to you and coughs in your face, um, you can be pretty sure that you're going to get a cold. Um, I, I'm getting to the stage where I'm probably going to end up wearing a gas mask whenever I'm out in public. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so that that's, that's about contagion. Um, the next thing... Right, they can actually kill you. So, if you're very young or very old, um, a cold can lead to a chest infection, and a chest infection can kill you. You can just, so that's one thing to bear in mind. They can be more serious than you think. So, if you're um, generally unwell anyway, or you're very old, or, or you're looking after someone who's very young, Um, and they've got a repetitive cough, you might want to take them to the doctor. Um, The next thing is that they are unavoidable. There is no... uh, No matter how many times you visit Holland and Barrett, take all the um, weird remedies you can think of, hang garlic around your neck, you are still going to catch a cold. It is absolutely unavoidable. The only thing that changes... um, how resistant you are to a cold is uh, well, how many colds you get, and the older you get, the more colds you have survived, uh, and the more resistant you are to the numerous viruses that are around. So as you increase with age, uh, you should get less uh, colds and flu, which which is a good, which is uh, <laughs> one of the very very few benefits of aging, one would think. Um, The next thing, uh, the old wives' tale, that uh, cold air can weaken your immune system, is actually true. Um, According to a study they did at Cardiff University, uh, they immersed uh, volunteers' feet in cold water uh, and tried to see if that increased your susceptibility to the cold virus, and it apparently did. Uh, so there, your mum was right. So there. Uh, but hopefully you're not suffering from a cold, though there are a lot of people that colds around, as I've noticed, walking around uh, town generally, and it's probably due to that one person walking around the whole town coughing it into everyone's mouth. So if you are that person out there, stop it. Uh, now, if you want to read about uh, colds and flu, Um, Go over to the uh, Cardiff University website, Uh, again it's a quite long link, so have a look in the show notes for a link to that um, page that tells you all about colds and flu. Uh, So that was it for the show, Um, I suppose I'll see you next Sunday. That was Roy, sorry, just end the podcast now um, and tell you that this was Roy's Rocket Radio episode 29 recorded on Sunday the 16th of February 2014. Hope you enjoyed it and see you next time. Bye!